And happy, and happy Mother's Day. <clears throat> I'm making my annual appearance. Um, I dressed up for you guys today. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to be here. And hey, and you got to give it up for the Life Point boy band, right? They love it when I call them that, right? They love it when I call them the Life Point boy. Um, so, um, you know, I tell you guys this all the time, you know, that you're not here by accident. God knew you were going to be here. So I'm trusting God that each of you are here on purpose and by divine appointment today. And uh, so I know that the word I have is for you. So you can rest confident that you don't have to wonder if this is going to be for you or not, because it is if you're here and you need to hear it. Um, so just settle in and listen up and um, hopefully God will give me the grace and anointing to be able to comp communicate what he's put on my heart today. So let's go ahead and dive in, you guys. So here's a quick poll I wanted to take before we get going. And the guys, if the people who are usually in growth group with me know that I love the icebreaker questions. I love asking the icebreaker questions. So here is your icebreaker question of the day. Are you ready? How many of you had aspirations as a child to grow up and do something different than you're actually doing right now? Yeah. Yeah. Probably a lot of astronauts, cowboys, princesses that didn't turn out, right? Yeah. Professional baseball players. Yeah. 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 So, so I'll tell you, when I was <clears throat> a teenager, I was going to be the next Sandy Patty. Now, some of you probably are like, who the heck is that? Because you're too young to know. But if you were a child, teen, adult in the 80s and 90s, you knew who Sandy Patty was. She was the Celine Dion of Christian music. She had a range from here to here, could sing anything. Donna Henry at the time did not have that range. As Donna Light still does not have that range. Cannot hit those high notes. So as you see, I did not turn out to be Sandy Patty. So I am a pastor's wife, I am a kindergarten teacher, I'm a worship leader, but I am not Sandy Patty. So um, anyway, it is what it is, right? So <clears throat> that was the 80s and 90s, and as the 90s came around, there was another group that got really popular. And I'm, again, some of you are going to be like, I don't know who you're talking about. The name of the group was For Him. Anybody remember For Him? A few of you, okay. A few of you, a few of you remember For Him. Um, they... Um, I really love them. I love their music. The four guys, that's the, uh, the, the, the really catchy name there, for him. And a lot of cool music, contemporary Christian music for the 90s. But they, and I particularly love them because they had a guy in the group named Mark Harris who came out of Lee University. So he was a Church of God boy. And I grew up in the Church of God, so I loved following them and knowing that you know, who he was and all that. But they had this particular song, and it's funny because I hadn't heard it in a little while, but my husband being the eclectic music person that he is, you can get in his truck at any moment, and he might have on Leonard Skinner. He might have on the Gaither Vogelman. He might have on, you know, something more, you know, he, he might have, you know, Third Day. He might have whoever. But you don't just never know. So the other night, we were on date night, and, and I get in, and he's playing music from the 80s and 90s, Christian, contemporary Christian music from the 80s and 90s, and this song came on by For Him, and the name of the song was Basics of Life, and I hadn't thought about that song in years, and it came on, and it just kind of really hung in my head, because it really goes along with what I want to talk to you guys about today, so before I start, I just want to read some of the lyrics from this song to you, so just, just bear with me for a moment and listen to this. We've turned the page for a new day has dawned. We've rearranged what is right and what's wrong. 
somehow we've drifted so far from the truth that we can't, can't get back home. Where are the virtues that once gave us light? Where are the morals that governed our lives? Someday we all will awake and look back just to find what we've lost. The newest rage is to reason it out. Just meditate and you can overcome any doubt. After all, man is a god. They say God is no longer alive. We need to get back to the basics of life, a heart that is pure and a love that is blind, a faith that is fervently grounded in Christ, the hope that endures for all times. These are the basics. We need to get back to the basics of life. And that was in the 90s, but does that ring so true today, you guys? Those basic foundational truths that God established from the very beginning. And today we're going to call those the ancient paths. The ancient paths. Our theme um, verse for our women's ministry this year is Jeremiah 6.16, and you'll see that in your bulletin today. Um, and that's where I got the title of what I'm going to talk to you about today. Um, so we're going to look at that verse together to get started this morning. And um, like I said, it's in your bulletin, and it'll be on the screen, so follow along with me. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Love it. When Kelly and I, when we happened upon this verse, we knew this was the verse for this year. Um, moving on, our theme and our vision and our direction for life point this year was pursuit, right? And, and, I, and, I, and when Kelly and I chose this direction for our women about the ancient paths, we knew that pursuit, what the church was go, uh, talking about, was going right along with it, perfectly with it. Um, with the vision for our women's ministry. Because I know more than ever before, we need to pursue the ancient paths. The ancient paths are the teachings of God, his standard of living from the very beginning. And over the past few weeks, on Sundays and Wednesdays, we've also been talking about culture and its impact and influence on Christians and the church. Um, and y'all, listening to that and, and hearing about that, we need to go back to the ancient paths. Now more than ever, I believe. So all these things... Or what, what the church is talking about, what the women's ministry is talking about, what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks have kind of merged together into this message that I have for you today. We've gotten our eyes off God and a standard for living. We are pursuing other things in place of him and his word, and it's time to go back and follow the ancient paths. And can I just tell you all, every year I say, God, you know, I, I, I get up here once or twice a year and get to share, you know, a message. Can't you give me something flowery and fun and make everybody smile? And every year I feel like he gives me something heavy to share. And I don't know why that is. But he does. And so all I know is you're here and, and, and God's given me this word. So I want you to listen and, and, and to what we're saying. Because this word's not just for you. This is for me too. Proverbs 14 and 12 says this. There is a path before each person that seems right. But it ends in death. We have our own ideas of how things should be and what we should do but they're never right if they're not God's path for us. We're making our own paths, living on our own terms, and expecting God to just be okay with it. But there's only one path that leads to life, and that's, God path. that's God's path, and that's what we're calling today the ancient path. I don't want you to get confused by what the ancient path is. We'll talk a lot about it. 
These ancient paths are not archaic, inaccessible, or irrelevant. Even though we think about they're back from the very beginning of the Bible and all through the Bible and it was a long time ago, they are, they're relevant for today and for, for the culture today and for the people today. And We don't need to check out and think that was for them then and not for me now because it's for us and we need them more than ever. And by the way, they're right. They're right. By following these ancient paths, we will find life, not death, and rest for our weary souls. That's what the verse says. And I don't know about y'all, but can anybody besides me use some rest for your weary soul this morning? When I ask y'all questions, y'all can answer me and really help. Just saying. Can anybody besides me use some rest for the weary soul this morning? Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, as I was talking about earlier, we've been talking a culture lately and its impact on the church and on Christians. And on Wednesdays, we're actually in the middle of a study called Cultural Christianity. Have any of you been able to be a part of some of that at all? It's good stuff. Let me tell you something. If you can make it on Wednesday nights, come. If you can't, tune in online or watch it afterwards because it is good, good stuff that you need to uh, listen to. And it's talking all about how we're living for Jesus on our own terms. You see, being a self-identified Christian for cultural reasons rather than the good news of the gospel has become very commonplace in America. Going to church because your parents did or because your friends go there and it's where you socialize or because you live in the Bible Belt and it's kind of what expected in your circle. Whatever the reason, it's not because of the good news of the gospel. And, and that's not a, that has to be your reason. Salvation is unnecessary. The Jesus the cultural Christians are following is just a Jesus without a gospel. And my friend, that is no Jesus at all without the gospel. So please know, I'm going to tell you this again. I'm not preaching at you. I don't even consider myself a preacher. So I'm not speaking at you or pointing at you. This study that we've been doing and this new awareness of this cultural Christianity has caught my attention. It's convicted my spirit and it's put an urgency in my heart. So I was speaking to all of us today that we might stop and do a soul check in our own lives today. So don't think just because you've been doing this a long time, you don't need to stop and be a little bit introspective. So I'm going to encourage you today to listen to what Lord, the Lord has to say. Jesus is being admired and not worshipped. Cultural Christians want a God who requires nothing, expects nothing, blesses but doesn't discipline and gives favor but never rebukes. They worship a generic God that requires no self-sacrifice, no obedience, no submission, and no surrender. He's their sweet old grandpa in the sky, and in reality, they are not worshiping the God of the Bible, no matter how much they claim to love Jesus. So we're going back to the ancient paths today. We're going to look at who God is and what he requires of us, because you know what? Y'all, he does. He requires something of us. We're not just walking along doing nothing. He has requirements for us as his children. Not what we think or what culture says, but what the scriptures, his word, the ancient paths show us. So we're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to rediscover who God is. Because I think sometimes because of culture and because of the things that are put in our face every day, we forget who he really is. So funny, every year when I kick off kindergarten, we do this with, our, with my kindergartners. And we have a big poster on the wall and it says, who is God? Because I don't want to ever take for granted that these little guys, even though they come to a Christian school, don't really know who God is. Because I think we know, need to know who he is so, so that we can truly understand what he requires. We must know him. We must know his heart. We must know his character. And that makes it so much easier for us to understand why he requires of us what he does. 
and some people just don't get it. So I'm just going to be real with you. I'm going to be referencing a lot of scripture today, okay? You're probably going to feel like I'm just like piling it on top of you, and it's, it's not all in your bulletin, okay? Some of, it, some of it will be on the screen, but a whole lot of it won't be. So if for some reason you want to try to jot down some of the references, you can. If you want to come and ask me about them later, I can send them to you. Um, but it's a lot of scripture. But, I, but I, I wanted to get every aspect of God, of who he is, and some of the other things we're talking about as well. So, so I just want you uh, to get ready because I'm getting ready to lay it on you. Okay? Here we go. Who is God? In Genesis 1-1 and Acts 17, 24 through 28, he is creator God. In Isaiah 44, 6, he is the one and only God. There is no other. There is no other. Psalm 34, 8 and 86, 5, he is good. He is good. Joshua 1 and 9, he's with us. Micah 7, 18 and 19, he's compassionate. 2 Peter 3 and 9, he's patient, and aren't you glad he's patient? 2 Samuel and 1 John 1 and 5, he is the light, and in him there is no darkness. Numbers 25 and 19, he's a promise keeper. He cannot lie, and we can trust everything that he says. 2 Samuel 22, 32 through 34, he is a strong fortress, our protector and our solid rock. Psalm 116 and 5, he is merciful. Psalm 68, 19 through 20, John 3, 16, and Romans 5 and 8, he is our Savior. Psalm 50 and 6, people don't like this part, but he is our judge. He is the only judge that matters. And Psalm 18 and 30, he is perfect and he is holy. And that's the part we forget about sometimes, y'all. He is perfect and he is holy. 1 Peter 1, 16 says, you must be holy because I am holy. God wants us to emulate and reflect who he is. So here's your first fill-in, so write this down. Following the ancient paths, we find that God is holy and he holds his people to a standard. We don't like that today, the culture we live in. We don't like being held to a standard. We want to do what we want to do and what makes us happy. But God says, this is who I am. I am holy and I expect you to be the same way. So let's think about this. Think about the things we just said about God. Are you patient? Are you merciful? Are you compassionate? Do you keep your promises? may seem impossible, but because he is such a good God, he has given his Holy Spirit to enable us to strive for these seemingly unreachable standards, and he has given us Jesus as our perfect example. So we've, we've heard about who God is. So now let's look at Jesus. Because God said, all right, I'm sending my son. I'm going to put him on earth, and he's going to show you what this looks like. So let's see what we find out about Jesus now. Get ready. About getting ready to lay it on you again. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, and Revelation 22, 13. He is Alpha and Omega. He has always been, and he will never end. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 8, 6, and Revelations 19, 16. He is Lord, and he is King. Hebrews 6 and 20, he is our high priest. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, he completes us. And I'm not being saying that funny movie line either. Jesus completes us. He will ne we will never be satisfied without him. So don't even try. John 1, 4 and 14, he is the word. John 10 and 30, he is God. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he is always with us. You are never alone. He is always with you. Hebrews 12 and 2, he is our champion. Hebrews 13 and 8, he never changes. Isaiah 9 and 6, he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. 
Philippians 2.9, he is the name above all names. In John 14 and 6, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the only way to God. There is no other way. I don't care what culture says or what anybody tells you. He is the only way. (laughs) And if that didn't get you excited, I don't know what will get you excited. Because when I read through these words and I think about who he is and what he's done, I can't help but just tear up. And get this big lump in my throat. Get this excitement in my heart that he's my God. He's my Savior and this is who he is. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's because of Jesus that that standard that God calls us to is not unreachable. God looks at us and sees the righteousness of his son. And as we strive to be better, God sees, looks past our imperfections and sees his perfect son shining through us. And that's the big deal, you guys. So because of Jesus, we can strive for God's glorious standard. He is our example. So write this down. Following the ancient paths, we find that Jesus is our perfect example, and because of him, we are righteous before God. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? Because apart from that, he says, our righteousness is as filthy rags, and God wouldn't even be able to look on us, I don't think, without Jesus. So God is our standard. Jesus shows us what that standard looks like, and we are empowered by his Holy Spirit to live it. So when we say this a lot, in response to who God is and what he has done. We should desire to walk in obedience to him and in the life he requires of us. It's not always easy because we are imperfect humans and culture calls us to do the opposite, calls us to serve self. But remember, he gave us his Holy Spirit to enable us to be more like Jesus and reflect his glory, and that's what we're called to do. So let's see what that looks like now. Hmm. I'm going to pick you all apart now. Are you ready? You're like, nope, don't want you to do that today. So let's start with the men. All right, guys, I know it's Mother's Day, but you weren't expecting that, were you guys? Let's, let's talk about the men for a minute, okay? What does a man who follows the ancient paths look like? Hmm. Well, we're going to take a look at the ancient paths and what the Scripture says about a man's role in the kingdom of God. I'm going to lay a bunch more Scripture on you, so if you don't like what I'm saying, don't take it up with me. Take it up with him because this is what he says. So here we go. 1 Timothy 6 and 11, a godly man should run from evil and shun the very appearance of it. 1 Corinthians six thirteen, a godly man should avoid sexual immorality. And you know what? That temptation is everywhere. So men have to be very intentional. 1 Peter 3 and 7, if you're married, you need to honor your wife. Ephesians 5, 23, 25, and 28, love your wife like Christ loves the church and gave his life for her. Genesis 2 and 24, man should be one with his wife. He should have unity together. You shouldn't be butting heads all the time and going two different directions. Unity. John 13, 14, and 15, men, you should be a servant. 1 Corinthians 11 and 3, Christ should be your ultimate authority. Philippians 4 and 8 should be men who think on the things of God. Micah 6 and 8, you should be humble. I don't know about you ladies, but I cannot stand a cocky man. I'm just telling you. We ain't got time for that. That's right. Humble. Humble. Jesus was humble. Ephesians 6 and 4, they raised their children in the discipline and instruction of God. Don't you leave that only on your wife. 
You're the priest of the home. You need to be raising your children in the discipline and instruction of God. Proverbs 20 and 7, men of integrity. It's not a word you hear too much anymore. Men of integrity. And 1 Thessalonians 43, 4, 3, and 5, excuse me. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 5. Men should be honorable. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13, 13 says this. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Not like the world defines men. Not because you identify with a man that particular day. But because you're being a man after God's own heart. A man that the, the Bible describes. That kind of man. The man like we just talked about in this list. From, and there's so much more to it. These are just a few that I've pulled out. To write this down, following the ancient past, we find that a man who follows God should exhibit biblical manhood. Not, not what the world says, not worldly manhood, not cultural manhood. He respects, honors, loves, and is faithful to his wife. He stays away from all evil and sexual immorality. He's honorable. He's a man of character, a humble servant who strives to be a man of integrity. Christ is his ultimate authority. He doesn't rely on his wife to be the priest of their home. He takes the lead in instructing and disciplining his children in the ways of God and points his family to Christ. He is the one who gets his family up on Sundays and says, we're going to church. We need more men of God taking their rightful place and leading their family to Jesus, not being defined by the world and its culture, but by who God says you are. Listen, sitcoms are funny. But I'm so tired of these sitcoms like Everybody Loves Raymond and The King of Queens, which I think are funny. But if you notice, most of them have this recurring theme. Men are idiots and women run the house. Women, women got it all together. Women are, are running the show. I'm so tired of that. Um, we need men to step up and be men. Not the way it looks on the sitcoms. And regardless of what the world says... I'm sure most women in here would agree with me. I want a man who's going to act like a man in my house and be a man and treat me like a woman, period. Can I get an amen to that? All right. So, ladies, it's your turn. And it's Mother's Day, so we might camp out here just a little bit, okay? So what do the ancient past show us about the role of a Christian woman? And we know that Proverbs 31 is full of just amazing wisdom for ladies. So let's see, let's see some of the things that Proverbs 31 talks about. Um, it talks about being a woman of strength and dignity. And, and listen, and, and I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings, but you know, I, don't, I don't get up here much, and God gives it to me, and sometimes I just, it's funny, and some of you will agree with this. I feel like the older I get, sometimes the plainer I get in what I say, because I feel like, why do I want to beat around the bush? I want you to know Jesus, and I want you to choose what's right. And sometimes I just, want to, I just have to say it like it is. Women of strength and dignity. I see so many women losing their dignity these days. They're so concerned about their outward appearance, what others think about how they look, their sexuality, that they lose their, wit their witness for Christ because they're worried more about what society thinks. They need for society to affirm them instead of the God who created them. And I see it on Facebook, and that's one of the things I hate about social media because so many of these women feel like they have to post these pictures of themselves in ways they shouldn't be posting pictures of themselves. So if I did that, my husband would like, take that picture down. So because they're so worried about getting that affirmation from the world. And, and there's only one, one 
person's opinion that matters, and that's God's. Um, and it, my heart hurts for women who feel like they have to do that. And listen, I, I'm all about taking care of yourself and looking out nice, but do it for the right reasons, you know. Proverbs 31 continues by saying a woman should be wise and kind, not lazy, but helpful, hardworking, and full of virtue. They fear and honor God with their body, their words, their attitude, and their actions. And all of that, there's so much more is in Proverbs 31. I would invite you to go look at Proverbs 31. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4 says a woman of God is quiet and gentle. Now listen, I don't think that means we can't get loud sometimes because you know I do and many of you do as well. Um, but I think we should know when to be quiet and never be harsh or hard with our words. 1 Timothy 3.11 says we should be faithful and have self-control. That's a word you don't hear a lot about anymore, having self-control. And in fact, faithfulness and self-control, those are fruits of the Spirit, FYI. Luke 1.45 says we will believe God, will do what he says he will do. We have faith in him. We shouldn't be constantly worrying because God's got this. A woman of God has values. They're not superficial but focus on others. They're compassionate and enveloped in love and strength. They think before speaking and have good, kind, good intentions. They have the, oh, listen to this, y'all. They have the power to create the atmosphere in their home and make it a fortress of love and peace. You know, if, if you were here for our marriage weekend, we talked to the women a lot, at least when, we, when I had you guys, we talked about how much of an impact we make on our homes and in the lives of our husbands and our children. We do matter. What we do, what we say, how we act does matter, ladies. One, a woman of God has values. I think I already said that. Let's skip it down. Uh, they, uh, they are hard workers, not entitled, which is, again, the opposite of what our culture says, right? They rely on God, are committed to God, trust God, and they share God. They bring glory to God. A woman is not the hero. She brings glory to the hero. So write this down. Following the ancient paths, we find that a woman who follows God should exhibit biblical womanhood. Not what society says, not what culture says, what, not, not what the world says, what the Bible says. You should be as a woman of God. And we all make mistakes and we all mess up. But if you proclaim to be a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ and the God of the universe, you serve him, then you should be, we should be striving, y'all, I'm talking to me, not just y'all. We should be striving every day to stay within those standards, within those guardrails, within those guidelines of what God calls us to be because people are watching and time is short. And I want to be an example to my children. I want to be an example to women around me. I want to point people to Jesus and not to me. Proverbs 31:30. charm can be deceiving and beauty fades away, but a woman who honors the Lord deserves to be praised. Trying to please the world and fit into culture will bring temporary pleasure and a lot of stress. But being who God called you to be is an eternal reward. So ladies, let's just vow, even if it's just from this moment forward, let's vow to do our best to be women of God and fall under the description that God gives us of who we should be. Can we do that today? Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> Me and Kathy are going to do that. All right. So moving on, believe it or not, we're going to talk about our kids today, or just kids in general. We don't talk a lot about that anymore. 
But y'all, I, I'm, on a fr- I'm on the front row when it comes to kids, being a kindergarten teacher, and, I, and I'm in a, even in a Christian school, and I'm seeing how much culture is changing who our kids are and how we're raising them. But we want to see what God says about it. What do the ancient paths say about our children and how we should be raising our children and how, what we should be doing as parents and just people in general with our kids? So here we go. You ready? Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Our children should be obedient. Imagine that. I know. Hebrews 12 and 9, they should be respectful. Seriously? Yeah, they should be. 1 Peter 5 and 5, our children should be humble. Hmm. Exodus 20 and 12, they should honor and respect their parents. Hello. Mark 10, 13 through 16, they should be brought to Jesus. Jesus loves your kids. Do you know that? They're not an annoyance to Jesus. They might get on your nerves, but they never get on Jesus' nerves. Jesus loves your kids. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. they should be taught the Bible and not just at church. Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 6 and 15, they should be trained in God's ways. Those are those ancient paths we've been talking about. And they should be disciplined. And that's a foreign word in this culture today too, I'm sorry to say. Psalm 127.3, they are a gift from God. They may not always feel like it, but they are. Leviticus 19 and 3, they should go to church. But guess what? You've got to bring them. Proverbs 1 and 8, they should listen. Good luck with that. <laughs> so children should be obedient and respectful, have humility and honor and respect their parents and those in authority, they are, and they are a gift to be cherished and taken care of. So how should we cherish and take care of them? Bring him to church. Bring him to church. You, bring him to church. Teach them the Bible. You, teach them the Bible. Don't just rely on Cindy and Bridget and all the cherub teachers in the back to do it on Sundays. Teach them every single day. You'd be surprised. I, I told you I teach in a Christian school, but I'm seeing more and more kids coming in because so many churches aren't offering children's classes, Sunday school, the basic Bible stories anymore, and they're coming into Christian school, and they're hearing about Jonah and the whale for the first time, Noah's Ark. I've shared with some of you a couple of years ago, we were around Easter time, we were sharing about the resurrection, and we hadn't gotten to the resurrection. We, were, we had gotten to Jesus dying on the cross, so we were going to do the resurrection, and one of the kids just cried and cried and cried. Jesus died? Jesus died? What? What's going to happen? Had no idea of the resurrection, and 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 supposedly go to church and are in a Christian school. You've got to teach them at home. You can't, the church is going to do their part, but the biggest influence your children will have will come from you. I promise you that. promise you that. Train them in God's ways and show them the ancient paths and discipline your children. That's not a bad word. It's in the Bible, y'all. Discipline your children. Children should honor and obey their parents, not the other way around. We're doing our kids a disservice when we always let them have their way just so we don't have to deal with the aftermath. Let me tell you something. I get, it always blows my mind when I hear parents tell me um, that they have, to do, they have to do something because it's what their child wants to do, or they use the term, my child made me. I'm sure you've heard it too. My child made me. What? I, uh, they're children. They're children. If you don't guide them and teach them the right choices, they will never learn. They are not mature enough. That is not their God-given role. You are put in charge of them. God has, have give, has given you your children to be the lead, to teach them, to guide them, to be the parent. 
They don't get to decide whether or not they go to school today, and they don't get to decide whether or not they want to go to church. You got to be a parent. You got to be a parent. That always blows my mind too when parents say, "Well, they didn't want to come today," or they don't like that Sunday school teacher, so we're not so they so I didn't bring them to Sunday school today or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. You teach them now. Going to church is important. You're, we're going to go because God says for us to go. We're all getting up, and that's where the men come in again. You get up and say, we're going to church. And you take your family to church, and you start raising them from a young age. I see, Dwayne and I were youth pastors for a long time, and we would see these kids that would leave church, and they would walk away, and they'd never come back, and the parents would say, I don't understand. But we would, more times than not, there were a lot of parents who would give them the choice if they wanted to go to church or not. They didn't teach them that this is important. This is an important thing to come to church and be at church. One of the greatest uh, quotes I've ever heard about kids, and this, this came from our headmaster at LC, and I love it. She says, don't prepare the road for the child. Prepare the child for the road. It's brilliant, and it's brilliant. We can't fix everything so it'll all be smooth and perfect for them because that's not life. We have to prepare them for what the life that's coming ahead of them. Otherwise, the, otherwise, they will never be able to handle adversity or be successful contributing adults. When we let our kids disrespect us and others in authority, they won't honor and respect God either. Jesus said in Matthew 19 and 14, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these little children. Y'all bring your kids to Jesus. Teach them the Bible. Bring them to church. Then they will grow to love him and live for him and live the abundant life that they can have. But you got to bring him. You got to teach him. You got to show him. You got to be parents. And God holds you to that standard. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Take to heart these words that I give you today. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home or away, when you lie down or get up. Write them down and tie them around your wrist and wear them as headbands as a reminder. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Listen, this must be really important for us to do because he told us a whole lot of different ways to do it, didn't he? Repeat it to them. Talk about it to them, whether you're home or somewhere else. Hey, when you're lying down, talk about it to them. When you're getting up, talk to them about it some more. Hey, if you can't remember, tie, them a wrist, tie it on your wrist to help you remember to tell them. Put it on a headband on your head as a reminder. Write it on the walls and on your door frames. Do something. If whatever's going to help you remember to pass the, these truths on to your children, do it. That's how important it is. That's how important it is. So write this down. Following the ancient paths, we find that the highest privilege and purpose of a parent is to lead their children in the ways of God. But we've got to teach them. <clears throat> Psalm 78, 2 through 4 says, I will teach you hidden lessons from, your, from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. It's up to us, you guys. And, and we will answer to God for it one day. We'll stand before him one day for what we did with our kids. So, going back to the beginning, when we talked about this foundational verse that we had for our ladies, the first part, which is on your bulletin, said this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. But there's actually a second part to that verse. 
that I didn't print, but I want, I want you to hear what it says. After saying all that, this is what it says. But you said, we will not walk in it. We will not walk in it. That's not the path I want. I want to live for God on my own terms, and he's just going to have to be okay with it. God says, this is what you need to do. This is my good plan for you. This is the path you need to take. And we say, no, I don't think so. I don't think I like it. Doesn't work for me. Maybe some of it, maybe part of it, maybe not none of it. I don't know. But God says, walk in it. And they said, we will not walk in it. And God's just going to have to be okay with it. But guess what? He's not okay with it. You can't do it your way and maybe some of God's way. You can't do both. It has to be on his terms. It has to be on his terms. So write this down. Following the ancient paths, we find that we should know, love, and follow God. To truly know him is to love him. If you know who he is, you're going to love him. And if you really love him, guess what? You're going to want to follow him. Remember we talked about that's our response. We know who he is. We love him so much. We just want to follow him because he's such a good God. And, get, and you know this very familiar scripture, Matthew six thirty three: Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God says, go back to the beginning, the ancient past, the old ways, and just say yes to all that he has commanded, and then you will have peace, and you will have rest for your soul. God's way is perfect. God's way is right. I don't know how else to say it. And he has standards for us, and we don't get to choose what works for us and what doesn't. You're either all in or you're not. You straddle on the fence, you might as well be out. That's why he says, you know, when you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out. At least if you're cold, he's got something to work with to draw you in. If you're hot, you're on fire for him. But you've got to make a choice. Instead of being driven and influenced by self and by peers and by culture, we must be driven by God and his word. The ancient path is the way of truth, and it's the only way. There's no other way, y'all. And there's a lot of ideas out there in our culture and a lot of people saying different things, and that's why we have to know what the Scripture says. We have to know who God is because it's very easy. It's very easily to be swayed to things that are not true if we don't know who he is and what his word says. We have to hold to his standard. So I'm, I'm just going to pray for all of us, including myself, that we would be intentionally introspective and intentionally alert so that none of us would become a cultural Christian because I think it could be very easy for us sometimes. And then after today, maybe after this morning, you've recognized that you've fallen into that category a little bit. You're kind of doing your own thing. You're saying, yeah, I'm a Jesus. I, I love Jesus. I love God. But you're not following his standards. And that maybe... Um, you can let God help you turn that around today. It is really this Wednesday night class that Dwayne's been teaching on this cultural Christianity has made me so acutely aware of the culture we live in about and how it is about doing your own thing. You can say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I know Jesus. I know God. But you're kind of doing, you're all out there doing your own thing. And you're, you're serving this generic God and following this Jesus that's not of the gospel because you want to do your own thing. But guys, I'm going to say it again. There's only one way, and it's God's way, and his way is the right way. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray us out and so you guys can go and enjoy the rest of your Mother's Day. But before we do, I would just ask that you all just bow your head and close your eyes for a second. 
And maybe you say, Donna, I, I kind of see myself in some of that. I see myself kind of veering into this cultural Christianity. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not following God's standards. I've been kind of trying to do it my own way, be okay with it. And that's you today. Nobody's looking around. I just ask that you just slip your hand up quickly so I know who to pray for. I want you to beat yourself up because I think to some extent we're all guilty of this. And those of us who maybe don't feel like we're there yet, if not for His grace, it could be us. So I do believe we have to be intentionally aware and do our best to keep our eyes focused on the Lord, on His Word, on those ancient paths, and be who God has called us to do, to be. Follow His standards, not make up our own rules, but follow what His guidelines are because His ways are best. So let's pray together. Oh, Father, we love you today. God, and I, as always, I thank you, and I'm humbled by the privilege to stand in this pulpit and share your word. And I pray, God, that I have communicated clearly what you put on my heart. I want every person to know you. Not a generic God. not a grandpa in the sky who grants our wishes, but a God who is holy, a God who loves us and wants what's best for us. Then when we stand before you one day, God, you will be our judge and you will know the life that we've lived, the choices we've made. And none of us are perfect, Lord, but I want to be able to strive to meet your standards and not this world's. I want to be able to represent Jesus and not Donna. So we got to pray you'd give us all the strength, Lord, to follow these ancient paths, to follow God, to make him Lord of our lives, to lead our decisions, that our everyday life would revolve around what he wants for us, not what we want for us, that we would be men and women who emulate you. That we be men and women, Lord, who strive to be who you've called us to be so that we can point others to Jesus. And that we would raise this next generation, these children, Lord, to love you, to love your church, to love the things of God so that they can grow up and be the successful, abundant life Christians that you want them to be, Lord. To work in us, God. Prick our hearts. Convict our hearts when we're veering in the wrong direction. When we're veering toward cultural Christianity instead of the true walk you've called us to, Lord. Convict us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to do what you've called us to do, Jesus. And again, Lord, I pray a special blessings on these ladies today. Whether they're mothers with their own children or they haven't had their own children yet, dear God, or they're empty nesters or whatever part of life they may be in, Lord. All women at some point of their life have been a mother to someone. So I pray blessings on these ladies, God, in a great way. You would give them just a good day with family, a day of rest, a day of enjoyment, Lord, and that they would feel your love in abundant ways. Again, Father, do a work in us, do a work through us, and let us follow those ancient paths because you've called us to them. God, we love you and we thank you. 
for all you do and all you are, God. In the name of Jesus, I ask and pray. Amen and amen. guys and i wish you a happy mother's day ladies those of you who registered we can't wait to see you friday night for our abide event it's going to be an awesome time in the lord have a good day